0: lockdown all bad? Well not it seems for one Lincolnshire green veg grower that's seen sales increase significantly. Lockdown 3 is having
1: having a bit of an impact and we're certainly seeing a lot more people Um, Cooking at home.
0: And we may have lost many summer agricultural shows, but at least the Leaf Open Farm Sunday is going ahead this year.
2: So it's about connecting the public with farmers to find out about where their food comes from.
0: We'll hear from the organiser in a moment and from Emmet UK to hear about their green veg sales spike. Plus, of course, agronomy, the markets, the weather, and we'll complete our look at the NFU's Levelling Up Rural Britain document. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme. With Steve Orchard. DEFRA is looking for several hundred farmers in England to take part in the pilot Sustainable Farming Incentive, paying them for producing public goods that go beyond regulatory requirements. If you take part, you'll be able to select from eight standards to start with to build your own farm agreement, helping to promote greener landscapes, cleaner air and water, and countering climate change and flooding. Participating farmers will continue to receive BPS payments, which of course are being scaled back progressively over the next seven years. Plant-based drink manufacturer Oatsley is planning to open a new facility in Peterborough using oats sourced from British farmers. The Swedish brand says the site may open in the first quarter of 2023, producing around 300 million litres of oat drink a year and employing around 200 people. As you're probably aware by now, sadly, the decision was taken last week to cancel the Lincolnshire show for the second year running. Here's Showground Chief Exec Jane Southall.
3: Well, when uh, Boris announced the roadmap out of lockdown, we were concerned at the time because of the date being the 21st of June and the show being on the 23rd, and it said 21st of June at the earliest. There's only got to be a slight movement in the roadmap and the show can't go ahead. And um, they're doing um, pilot tests in April and May, which they'll give the outcome in June, about what social distancing or other measures may need to put in place. And we just felt it was too close a call for us, really, to put on the show. We have to obviously consider the safety of our members and also the exhibitors and the visitors that come to the Lincolnshire show. And if we put a show on, we wanted to make sure it, it was... A really great show and we just felt that things probably weren't on our side at the moment so what we're looking at doing at the moment is we've got a sort of team meeting tomorrow just to look at what other events we could do later on in the year to to support our chancel objectives but also to, so that people from Lincolnshire could, could come to the showground um, and then we'll look to doing the show in June 2022.
0: Next year's show is planned for June the 22nd and 23rd. One thing that will go ahead, as with everything fingers crossed, is the Leaf Open Farm Sunday, but the date's been put back a couple of weeks to avoid the problem that Lincolnshire had with the date being too close to the planned end of lockdown. It will now take place on Sunday the 27th of June and here to tell us all about it is Annabelle Shackleton from Leaf. Annabelle, what's the objective of Open Farm Sunday?
2: Well, Leaf Open Farm Sunday is all about welcoming the public onto farm to actually give them an experience of of being on a farm and actually meeting a farmer. So it's about connecting the public with farmers to find out about where their food comes from. And not just that, just the the amazing work that farmers are doing to protect and enhance all uh, the natural environment. So uh, it's hugely important.
0: Now, we've lost, unfortunately, once again, many agricultural and country shows for this summer. But the public appetite for the countryside is still as strong, isn't it? People are still very, very interested in what goes on on farms, aren't they?
2: They certainly are. The, the footpaths around where I live are, are teeming with people at the weekend. So, so, yes, an increased number of people out in the countryside, but also an increased interest in cooking from scratch, learning about where their food comes from and finding out about sustainable farming. What we want to do is actually be able to explain what they're looking at and what they're seeing in the fields. Um, people don't realise that the science and technology and the skill behind farming is phenomenal and it's really exciting and it's just great having the opportunity to share that with the public
0: there's an awful lot of misinformation isn't there in media and social media and things like that about farming
2: oh there is there is and this is the opportunity to get the record straight yes um, there's no point in farmers sitting at home and moaning. What we're asking them to do is open their farm on the 27th of June and and take the plunge and and welcome people onto the farm and just answer those questions.
0: How many farms are involved in this?
2: Well, each year we get around 350 to 400 farms taking part, um, but this year, of course, we're we're still in a COVID year, and so we really are encouraging more farmers to take part. Um, we there will potentially be a cap on larger events you know some of our large open farm sunday events welcome a few thousand visitors but because of covid um, those events are likely to be capped so we're we're hoping that more farmers will open the gates for smaller events socially distanced farm walk and talk is is a very Um, realistic and achievable um, event to organise. So easier for the farmer to organise and equally rewarding for the public to go and visit.
0: And if the farmer's not involved in this yet but thinks, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, how can they get involved?
2: Well, they need to go to our website, which is farmsunday.org, and on there they can uh, tick on the uh, register here button and register their event. There's also an information pack on there with ideas because the key thing about Open Farm Sunday is that it's up to the farmer to decide on the size and the type of event that they organise. So we're very flexible and, uh, uh, and so the farmer can choose what they're comfortable um, with organising on their event. And we also have a team of helpers and supporters. There's a phone number on the website. Um, get in touch with us. We're always happy to talk through ideas um, and help people to actually sort of find out what's going to be best for them, for their farm, to organise on Open Farm Sunday.
0: So Sunday the 27th of June, fingers crossed.
2: Certainly, we've got all our <laughs> fingers and toes crossed too.
0: <laughs> Annabelle, just give us that website one more time, please
2: www.farmsunday.org
0: Annabelle Shackleton, many thanks for joining us on the farming programme this morning.
2: Thank you very much indeed.
0: Cereals have announced that the show at Boothby Graffo in Lincolnshire has been put back. That will take place now on the 30th of June and the 1st of July. Good to see that Open Farm Sunday, fingers crossed again, is going ahead this year. Sad but perhaps not surprising news though, Sean, about the Lincolnshire show.
4: Yes, very good morning to you, Steve. Yeah, it's a real shame about the Lincolnshire show, but I think it's absolutely the right decision for them to have made. And it's very, very refreshing to see and hear common sense and consideration for others, for the exhibitors and the attendees alike, has taken centre stage in the Links Agricultural Society deliberation. Because if the LAS can't make it work in a way so as to do credit to the Lynx show and its history, then I don't think anybody can. You know, let's make 2022 the biggest and best show we've had for a long time and I'm really looking forward to it and I think by the same token it's a real shame that the French owners of the Cereals event ComExposium, who are forging ahead blindly, absolutely convinced that Cereals is going to go ahead as usual that the 21st of June is set in stone as the date when all restrictions of Covid are removed and that people are going to then flock up there to Boothby Graffo for the last Wednesday in June, the new date moved to the 30th of June and the 1st july you know unfortunately historically at a time when many farmers have a holiday certainly mine do before all the hell breaks loose and harvest gets underway so sometimes the best decision is the hardest decision to take um and i think perhaps come exposium ought to take a leaf out of the lynx agricultural society's book so we've had a typical march week then we've had warm weather dry weather cold weather frosty weather wet weather windy weather stormy weather march many weathers it is But this is how March always used to be. It's called March Many Weathers for a very good reason. In some ways, it's a good job we've had the wet and windy week this week because a lot of sugar beet growers who are still waiting for their sugar beet seed, I can't imagine the scale of the sweary words we would have heard had they had their seed and that sort of weather had hit. So it's just another example of the fact that we have to deal with the weather we get. As some very intelligent man once said, no such thing as bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. So last weekend then a fair bit of spring drilling went on spring barley spring oats spring beans spring wheat fair bit of that went in last weekend in those lovely conditions but that unexpected two to three mil of drizzle we took on Monday made the top a bit too sticky and scuppered plans to go out rolling but most of the prems were going on on a field by field basis it was driller field roller field sprayer field and getting those prems on quickly efficiently after the rolls that 's the key to success on blackgrass particularly if that's the weed that you're after, because the more even the seedbed, the more firm the seedbed, the better those products are going to perform, and the more timely they are in their application, the more likely they are to control the target that you're after. And remember, in spring barley and spring wheat, spring oats, spring beans, peas, I keep saying this, but the best possible and most reliable herbicide you could possibly put on for those crops is glyphosate before you drill them. It'll control the rubbish, because in spring barley, spring wheat, we've only got half-rate flu. Which is the main active against blackgrass? Yes, we've got pendimethalin and prosulfocarb, they're helpful on blackgrass, but they're not the best things for blackgrass. So, only really Avidex Excel, Avidex Granules, is being applied at full rate in spring wheat and spring barley. So, your seed beds really need to be as even and clod free as you can possibly get it if you're using Avidex Excel in bad blackgrass situations to maximize the results. Remember, Avidex goes from a solid to a gas sublimation, it does doesn't go through a liquid form and that gas has to be able to be diffused into the soil. So big cloddy, uneven seed beds won't allow that to happen evenly and reliably, so therefore pick your fight and cut your cloth accordingly make a decision, if the seed bed's not good enough don't waste your money, and also remember, seed needs to be 40 millimetres deep and covered it's very important when you're using Avidex or Flufenicet or these other preems. that's an important thing, because it's selectivity by depth protection all seed rape, as I said last week, is starting to move quite nicely, quickly in one or two fields, but very little change in disease levels it's still cold enough out there to be holding on to the light leaf spot but do keep your eyes open Um, if you've got something that you suspect to be light leaf spot pop it in a polythene bag a couple of leaves stick it in the airing cupboard or send it off to the spot check initiative and remember you still do have time to use clopyrrolid and some of the other um, herbicides on the more backward piece of all seed rape you're okay and you're safe in most cases until the buds start to move away from that envelope of leaves winter wheat i just think about what I'm trying to achieve this time of year with my T0 fungicides I'm looking at my varieties and it might not be necessary to go out there chucking a tebiconazole on some varieties for the sake of doing it, particularly if there's no yellow rust out there to dry up Saki, for example has got a 9 score for yellow rust, kinetic is only a 6, kerin and incitor they're 7, so look at your varieties and understand their weaknesses but you know there are exceptions to that rule, I've, Graham is an 8 for yellow rust but I can find yellow rust out there in Graham so it's very important that we react to what's out there in the field rather than to the calendar date all I'm saying is that just because you've always done something on the 15th of March it doesn't make it always the right thing to do on the 15th of March I'm looking out here in the field I've got yellow rust and I'm planning for those crops accordingly I'm also looking at quite a lot of magnesium manganese zinc deficiency issues out here in varieties where there is no disease so before I do much else I'll probably try and tidy up those new issues. And remember we've got no chlorothalonil this season for the first time. Yes we've got other multi-site inhibitors but they're not the same as chlorothalonil. So talk through your strategy with your your advisor, think about a strategy and formulate a plan because if you've got a plan you can always change it. That's it then let's see what the next seven
0: days of March have got in store for us. Thanks as ever, Sean. If you want to contact Sean Sparling, his website is sasagronomy.co.uk. Let's return to the document discussed last week from the NFU on levelling up rural Britain. Stuart Roberts, Deputy President. To continue, Stuart, with one area we've spoken about many times before, that of rural crime, the likes of hair coursing, waste tipping, equipment theft and so on. We've got to find a way to make some headway with this, surely.
5: Oh, uh, absolutely, Steve. We've, we've talked about it too often, and I've spoken to members about it probably as frequently as any other topic. And, and just to put it in, in context, um, it, it's estimated that rural areas receive about a hundred just over 160 pounds per head of population for police funding whereas urban areas receive over 205 pounds per head of population yeah that's a huge difference and and we know you know there are real challenges in terms of uh the intimidation that goes with with rural crime the fact that yeah, these are, are often isolated places. People can feel very vulnerable. The mental health aspects that go with that, and it's vital, therefore, that funding for for rural crime prevention and rural crime enforcement matches that that others expect and rightly expect in urban areas. But we should expect the same in in rural
0: areas. Absolutely. Now, last week we spoke about non-farming rural businesses. Let's return to the core subject, that food production, that's got to be at the heart of everything we do, hasn't it?
5: We've spoken before on a number of occasions, Steve, about uh, not allowing imports to come in and, and undermine our production, and it was really good actually this last week to see uh, the, the uh, Trade and Agriculture Commission report uh, be published, which highlighted again this, this point. You know, we have fantastic businesses across the whole country, uh, including uh, those important farmers in lincolnshire producing great food producing and and enhancing and maintaining maintaining phenomenal landscapes and the environment and we absolutely have to protect that from being undermined from production elsewhere in the world
0: and of course talking of the environment we have the climate to think about as well still on track for net zero by 2040
5: Look, we're we're very clear. It's a central plank in, in British agriculture's aspiration. Um, and it's something where, again, we're leading the world on. Um, and actually, I go back to connectivity and investment in rural areas. Actually, to get those productivity gains, to get those uh, resource efficiency gains in future, some of that investment is absolutely needed for productivity, which has that... Uh, dual purpose of improving my farm's economic performance but also at the same time reducing its climate impact
0: the whole document is to me a fascinating read it's a dozen pages Uh, i don't think there's anything in there that anybody listening to this program would disagree with what next are you looking for input comments thoughts from those involved in rural britain
5: Uh, So look, we would love to have comments and and views from anyone. Uh, Interestingly, Steve, there's not a huge amount uh, uh, of new asks in here. Lots of it is actually just bringing together and brigading uh, long existing asks. But what I would like is, is farmers across the country to pick up the document, to, uh, to talk to your MPs about it, to get them to understand the importance of investing in rural areas uh, and the importance of investing in some of those areas where we have real challenges in rural areas uh, and make sure that we don't get left behind and that levelling up isn't just, as I say, about North v South. It's also about how we can uh, enhance rural areas uh, and not let them be forgotten.
0: And that, uh, the document's available on the NFU website, yeah? It,
5: it is indeed available on the NFU website, uh, and please help yourselves.
0: Stuart, thank you so much once again for joining us on the programme this morning.
5: It's always a pleasure, Steve.
0: It may not always feel that way, but lockdown three can bring some benefits, particularly if you grow green veg like Cavolo Nero. Spalding-based Emmet UK has seen sales of the variety grow by a quarter compared to last year. Alex Balton is their group MD. Alex, what are
1: we putting this sales growth down to? Well, I think there's um, there's a, there's a few different factors, but I think certainly lockdown lockdown three is having a having a bit of an impact, and we're certainly seeing a lot more people. Um, cooking at home um, using it as a way to try and break up their day um, and so using perhaps scratch veg and scratch cooking where they might have before been eating out or, or using ready meals also you know, january and february are, are key times for, for healthy eating and so i think especially after after christmas everybody wants to try and get a bit healthier and get back into some scratch cooking and using fresh fresh vegetables for their cooking and so i think the combination of the two is uh, uh, really driving driving the sales
0: and what varieties in particular are we seeing these uh, these sales spikes in
1: so we're we're suppliers of um of spinach um kale leeks and and cavolo nero and i think the one that we're we're certainly seeing the the biggest growth in is is cavolo nero which is a a variety of kale is it's it's slightly different um, has a has a really delicious taste but um, is a little less well known but that's that that's the one we're seeing the, the biggest growth in and that's the one we would call black cabbage black cabbage black kale cavallonero yeah all of those
0: and that can be eaten just as a salad or of course it can be cooked can't it
1: yeah and i think you know these leafy greens are, are very versatile and so there's lots of different ways that you can use them and so we'd see people maybe you know, on the extreme end of healthy, putting them into smoothies, we'd see people um, blending up as part of soups. You, you'd see them in stir fries, but also they've got. You know, they they work well even if you just put a handful of it into a into a lasagna or something like that. They're uh, they're pretty versatile.
0: Okay, now you supply supermarkets with your product. How do you find that, uh, particularly with lockdown? Because obviously, people's shopping habits have changed just as much as their eating habits, haven't they?
1: Yeah, certainly. I think we've seen. We've seen, seen growth in our sales with, with supermarkets. And I think one of the things which, which certainly has happened is we've seen a perhaps more even, even order profile with, with retailers. And so people are shopping on, on more de- different days of the week rather than focusing on the weekends. And certainly those retailers we supply that have strong online sale sales presence have done particularly well. Lovely. It's good to see
0: success, and it's interesting to see the way things are changing, the way people's eating habits are changing, and bringing benefits to a Lincolnshire business. Uh, Alex Bowton, MD of Emmet UK, many thanks for joining us on the farming programme this morning.
1: Well, Thank you very much.
0: Let's see what the markets have been doing this week. Here's Openfield's Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Good morning,
6: Steve. The market is currently awaiting more clarity on the southern hemisphere maize and soybean crops, which have become the main market leaders in the last couple of weeks. But the surprise from the USDA report was wheat with a cut of 3 million metric tons in world ending stocks due to a rise in wheat feeding, mainly in China which was particularly offset by the anticipated rise in the Australian wheat crop. Almost everything else including US wheat, soybean and maize, supply and demands, Chinese imports, EU wheat exports, EU maize imports and South American soybean and the maize production was all left entirely unchanged. On the face of it, the report was neutral, but one analyst wrote, the market got punted as fund managers and the computers took prices sharply lower on the basis it wasn't bullish, so it must be bearish. In another demonstration of how the institutional money and black box trading can move markets dramatically. The focus will now return to the Southern Hemisphere harvest post the USDA report, with Argentina still experiencing a prolonged drought and early reports of poor quality soybean crops in Brazil due to excessive rains. This, in turn, delays plantings of the important maize crop, which gives them their exportable surplus. US maize and soybeans will, via the new crop acres and the new crop balance sheet, potentially be very tight with both despite an increase in area and projections, making the South American production even more important. With drivers back on the road post-lockdown and China likely to be a featured buyer again in 2021-2022, maize demand will increase in turn, which should bring support to the wheat market. Looking at barley this week, with a roadmap now in place and bookings for beer gardens on the 12th of April at unprecedented levels, this has given a slightly more positive outlook for the industry than we have had for some time. Clearly, there is potential for an upset to this phased recovery when considering other strains of the virus. But for now, the industry is clinging on to a smooth transition period. Good weather has supported planting progress in most parts of England, with starts being made across Scotland. The continent sees French plantings making good gains and approaching completion within a matter of days, with Denmark still at a very early stage, planting mainly confined to the south of the country. Back in the UK, old crop markets remain all about execution of current contracts and managing any quality fallout. New crop markets have been very quiet on both sides, with drills working and consumers waiting to see what progress is being made. Oilseed rate. The soybean complex, along with the South American crop outlook, have been two of the main drivers of the oilseed complex this season so far. With little change, markets lost a bit of momentum in the short term and all eyes will now be on the planting intention report due out on the 31st of March. For a steer on next year's crop area this drop in momentum coincided with an improved weather outlook for argentina which had been dry and this filtered through to the european's markets leading to a sharp retracement of domestic values and crush followed the futures slightly lower the broader picture sees vag oil complex support remain and very recently news that there are french growers pulling up some of the oilseed rape crops due to poor overwintering conditions and this will only add to the reduced production numbers of 2021 harvest across Europe. As a note, forecast production remains just above this year's crop for now, and supply and demand remains extremely tight. Prices this week, feed wheat for March 202 to 205, for May 205 to 208, for July 208 to 211, and for November new crop 165 to 169. Please speak to your open field Farm Business Manager for an up-to-date milling wheat price. Moving forward to barley. Feed barley for March 151 to 154. For May 158 to 161. Looking forward to new crop July 140 to 143. And November 147 to 150. Malting barley premiums are currently £10 for a 185 on old crop and 20 for a new crop. Oil seed rate March 428 to 432 staying the same price through to may july 358 to 362 for new crop moving slightly higher to november at 368 to 372
0: many thanks kit the farming program five day forecast another mixed march week of weather with some showers this afternoon 20 mile per hour westerlies and highs of nine celsius Monday looks a bit drier but still some light rain around. The wind's quite light too, mostly in single figures MPH but veering round to the north, dropping temperatures down to 1 Celsius overnight into Tuesday. Higher pressure and mostly dry for the middle of the week. Calm on Tuesday but wind speeds up to the mid teens on Wednesday and staying mostly from the north. High pressures remain for the end of the week with some light rain, breezy on Thursday, calmer on Friday, wind staying northerly and highs around 7 or 8 Celsius on both days. Well, that's it for this week. We'll have a look at the prospects for seasonal labour on next week's programme. Until then, have a safe and productive farming week.